Welcome to the Wasatch Report. This is episode 72. I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson with me today. We're going to talk about financial penalties. We're continuing a conversation that we started concerning the financial penalties imposed upon the people that were supporting the truckers in Ottawa. As we're seeing now, this is taking on a global aspect. Before we get rolling, though, come check us out at SuzanneCSherman.com. That is my website, SuzanneCSherman.com. C is just the initial in the middle there. And from that homepage on my website are links to this show, the Wasatch Report radio show, as well as if you want to get into preparedness and self-reliance. And boy, howdy, are these days a good time to generate an interest in that, the Red Hot Chili Prepper podcast. You can also support both shows from our anchor homepage, as well as from the homepage on SuzanneCSherman.com. We also have suggested products on a page for preparedness and self-reliance, as well as suggested reading, both regards to history, our constitution, and preparedness, as well as the Lost Frontier Handbook. You can go straight now to my website, click a link, and that will take you to where you can order the Lost Frontier Handbook, Learn the Ways of the Pioneers. It is your ultimate guide to self-reliance. Also, if you're not aware of it yet, my new book, Federalism, How Decentralization Can Save America, is now available on Amazon, both on Kindle and in the printed format. I want to thank everybody for their response to this. I'm really humbled by uh, the well wishes and the great reviews we're getting. So please keep that up. If you have gotten the book, please submit a review once you've read it. We really appreciate it. Right now we're hanging out at five stars. Hopefully we'll keep it that way. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Little wound up, as you know, from our little Mm -hmm. conversation before the show. And uh, hopefully I can continue being wound up as we continue with this discussion. Well, our good friend Mike Meharry at the 10th Amendment Center wrote an article the other day. We were talking about how the Canadian government was using now financial institutions to punish those that supported the truck drivers that were pro- that were protesting the vaccine mandates. But here's what he talks about using SWIFT for economic warfare could come at a heavy cost. That's the name of the article, again, from the 10th Amendment Center. By the way, the articles that I have written for them, that's what my book, Federalism, How Decentralization Can Save America, what I did was organize them all by topic and put together the argument that will hopefully convince anybody that isn't convinced yet that trying to fix things from Washington, D.C. is never going to help. If you want to consider saving this uh, continental landmass, the United States, and making it these United States, read my book. See if that helps you out there. So let me go to the article uh, by Mike Meharry. It's called Using Swift for Economic Warfare Could Come at a Heavy Cost. The government of the U.S., he says, has intervened militarily in other countries for decades. But the U.S. isn't only projecting power across the globe through its uh, massive military. Just as we saw the Canadians do, now the United States is weaponizing the U.S. dollar using economic dominance and privilege as the issuer of a reserve currency as a carrot stick tool of foreign policy. The U.S. government showers billions of dollars and foreign aid to our friends. On the other hand, our enemies can find themselves locked out of SWIFT, the global financial system that the U.S. effectively controls using the dollar. The acronym SWIFT stands for Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication. Jeff, this kind of reminds me of something Ron Paul once said. It's no coincidence that 
We have been almost at nonstop warfare since 100 years ago when central banking started. Now what we're seeing is central banking as a means to punish those that don't toe the party line, the line of those that are in charge of it. And right now, as we know, the U.S. dollar is a reserve currency around the world. Swift and dollar dominance gives the U.S. a great deal of leverage over other countries. Now, what they're talking about doing to Russia right now because of Putin's actions in Ukraine, they have done before. As Mike Meharry points out, the U.S. has used the system as a stick. In 2014 and 2015, when the Obama administration blocked several Russian banks from SWIFT as relations between the two countries deteriorated, Trump, not to be left out of the action, threatened to lock China out of the dollar system if it failed to follow UN sanctions on North Korea. Treasury Secretary Stephen Munchen threatened this economic nuclear option during a conference broadcast on NBC. You know, this is just another example, as we're going to get into uh, in a little bit, Jeff, how these political government leaders engage in these battles. But who are the ones that pay the price? Case in point, what happened when Donald Trump instigated his trade war with China and started all those tariffs? Who paid more for consumer goods? Who paid more for steel? A tariff is nothing more than a tax that the American people pay. The governments don't pay for this. This is all born on our shoulders. And as we're going to find out and discuss on this show, it's only getting worse. Locking a country completely out of SWIFT, Mike says, would effectively cut it off economically from the world. Now, Jeff, remember on our last show we talked about, I think it was that on our preparedness show, Red Hot Chili Prepper. And if you're not familiar with that podcast, we're urging you to go over there and check out that show. We talked about what would you do if one day you tried to access your financial assets and found out you were completely locked out of them. Your accounts had been frozen. As we explained on that show, one woman, a single mom who donated, it was either $25 or $50 to the Ottawa truckers, found herself locked out of her accounts. The Canadian government froze her assets. Do you remember that one, Jeff? I most certainly do. It's... um. And it's very common now up in Canada, and it's going to become common here. I mean, what they're just testing these options in other countries, and then the, it'll be transported around the world. Governments will everywhere will use it to punish dissent from what they're doing. And so far, this has been an effective tool. But like all these tools that we're seeing, it's going to end up, I think, having unintended consequences way beyond what they were imagining. So let me continue back on here really quickly. Uh, locking SWIFT out would be cutting off a, a country economically from the world. That was something we were just mentioning. There would also be consequences that ripple through other economies. Remember, we just talked about the tariff. A member of Russia's parliament warned that locking his country completely out of SWIFT would halt the flow of goods into Europe. Jeff, what did I just say? The people of these countries just trying to live their darn lives are the ones that are going to have to pay the price for this political gamesmanship. If Russia is disconnected from SWIFT, then we will not receive currencies, but buyers, European countries in the first place, will not receive our goods, oil, gas, metals, and other important components. So what the governments are saying, we don't care if you freeze. We don't care if you can't heat your homes. We don't care if you can't drive. This is about us, not you. 
We just need you to pay the taxes to fund all this garbage. Let me continue back to the article. Given America's history of using sanctions as a foreign policy tool, Russia was not unprepared for the move. And you know what? That was really smart of them. In fact, a number of the countries that know they could easily find themselves in the crosshairs have kept taken steps to limit this dependence on the dollar and have been working to establish alternative payment systems. Hello, crypto? <laughs> and this includes Russia, China, and Iran. Jeff, it sounds to me like the U.S. is coming dangerously close to overplaying this hand. What do you think? Well, Russia's going to respond in some way. When it really comes down to it, sanctions and keeping them from SWIFT are is, as Mike Harry said, it's economic warfare. Any sanction is a, a military attack. It is an act of war. We are at war with their economy. And we were heard from a friend of ours that Biden was considering using hackers to infiltrate different things in the Russians' economy or their, their grid or whatever. It, would that be an act of war? Yes. Would How would we respond if somebody hacked our grid here and locked us out of all of our accounts? What we were talking about in that show. So a hacker in, uh, in Russia locks everyone out of their accounts. What would that do to our economy? It would be a serious blow to our economy. So any of this stuff here we're talking about is economic warfare. And at some point, Russia is going to respond. I heard about a thing that is going on in Russia the other day, and I have not found an article on it yet, but I heard that they're rolling out their gold-based economy. Russia and China for years have been purchasing lots of gold and, and precious metals, and at some point they'll roll this out, they will bypass the dollar, and the dollar is probably going to be history and will have massive, terrible consequences to our economy. Yeah, not not for the oligarchs in D.C. or anybody that's been snorting, you know, burying their snouts in the four trillion dollar annual pig trough that they've been getting. But you mentioned something that Mike also touches on in the article. He says a growing number of central banks have been buying gold as a way to diversify their holdings away from the greenback. And you know what? That's just not foreign entities that should be doing that. Everybody should be doing that. That's why there's a huge uh, push for crypto or precious metals, or as I like to say, things that you're going to need once this whole house of cards comes crumbling down. How much food do you have put away? How are you going to support your family when all this happens? He continues by saying, before ending its purchase program at the onset of the pandemic, Russia was the biggest central bank buyer of gold. The Central Bank of Russia bought $4.3 billion worth of gold between June of 2019 and June of 2020. And the Russians were buying gold long before that. The Central Bank of Russia bought gold every month from March 2015. According to Bloomberg, Russia spent more than $40 billion building a war chest of gold over the past five years. Boy, isn't that a great term, Jeff? A war chest of gold, because that really is what we're talking about. This is really going to be an act of war, keeping all these materials that the people of Europe need to heat their home, cutting Russia off from this, the whole banking system like this. What did uh, FDR said? He always said uh, that cutting off our oil supply would be an act of war. And then he went and did the same thing to Japan and then cries foul when Pearl Harbor got attacked. 
Yeah, but remember the other day in our chat, I asked um, our good friend uh, Greg Carpenter about this. I said, are we doing right now what we did in July of two, uh, 1940 to Japan when we cut off the oil? We, we There was that act that we passed against them and basically embargoed uh, all their their products. What happened after that? Pearl Harbor. So are we doing the same thing now? Are we that short-sighted that we can't, didn't learn from history? Are we going to do the same thing now with a nuclear power that's elevated its nuclear alert status? Are we that suicidal at this point? Are we that willing to have millions of people around the world killed to do something about Ukraine, a, a problem that we create? Mike also tells us Russia sold off nearly half of its U.S. debt in April 2018 alone, dumping $47.4 billion dollars of its $96.1 billion in U.S. Treasury. And this isn't just America's enemies who are worried about abusing its economic power. Her friends are also wary, as Mike says, as they should be. Donald Trump pulled the U.S. out of the nuclear deal that we had with Iran. After that, the, U the EU announced the creation of a special payment channel to circumvent U.S. economic sanctions and facilitate trade with Iran. The EU foreign policy chief made the announcement after meeting with foreign ministers from Britain, France, Germany, Russia, China, and Iran. She said the new payment channel would allow companies to preserve oil and other business deals with Iran. What did I just say about the U.S. government overplaying its hand? This, Mike says, underscores a risk to the U.S. sanction policies could also have long-run consequences. We're going to talk about that at the end, at the second half of the show, eventually undermining the dollar as a world reserve currency. Peter Schiff, great economist, uh, warns that other countries are watching the U.S. and how the U.S. handles its power as the issuer of the global reserve currency during the Russia-Ukraine war. Jeff, this whole thing happened. Remember when Nixon took us off the gold standard, they essentially screwed the rest of the world who allowed the U.S. dollar and accepted the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency precisely because it was backed by gold. Nixon goes down in history because of Watergate. But what he did, taking us off the gold standard, we are suffering for it today. And it seems to me that history thanks to the government-sponsored education system, has pretty much given him a pass for this. Peter Schiff says China is looking on thinking, well, Russia's doing something America doesn't want. They're getting sanctioned. What if we do something that America doesn't want? We get sanctioned. They pull the dollar out from under us. Let's get out from the dollar on our own. Let's not have this weapon in the hands of the U.S., that can be turned against us at any time. He's absolutely right. And if enough countries do abandon the dollar, the value of the US dollar, Jeff, you mentioned this earlier, would collapse and create economic crisis chaos here at home. The de-dollarization of the world economy would likely perpetuate a currency crisis in the US. Okay, Jeff, do you remember one time we had Mike Meharry on the show with us and I mentioned the H word, I said hyperinflation. And his response was, well, I don't think we're talking hyperinflation, but I th we're going to definitely see inflation. Let me read the next, the next line in this article. Mike, practically speaking, it would likely lead to hyperinflation. Now, Mike is the economist. 
not me. But here's the difference. When you live as far down the rabbit hole as I do, you tend to see these things coming. What say you, Jeff? You can't go to the gas pump today and not start thinking about hyperinflation. I mean, it's just incredible. I just told you a story. Just before Yeah, we we're going to do that after the break because you okay. are going to run off with this one and we're going to wrap this article up because I, I know once you get going on this, there's no stopping you. We're going to wrap this up, take a break from our friends at Anchor FM, and then I'm going to turn you loose on your rant. <laughs> so what Mike is saying here, wrapping up this article, if enough countries abandon the dollar, going back to where we left off, we're looking at hyperinflation. Meanwhile, the U.S. government should be wary of throwing its economic weight around too glibly. It isn't the only country with an economic nuclear option. China ranks as the largest foreign holder of the United States debt. If the Chinese were to dump a significant amount of U.S. treasuries, it would collapse the bond market and make it impossible for the U.S. to finance its massive death. America's undeclared wars have cost trillions of dollars. And what does that also cause? Inflation. Remember what James Madison said. And in my book, Federalism, How Decentralization Can Save America, I quote Madison's commentary about wars and standing armies extensively because they said standing armies lead to war. War leads to debt and taxes and the domination of the many by the few. This is exactly what has happened. They were absolutely correct. As Mike wraps this up, economic warfare comes at a cost. It's typically, this is what we were saying earlier, Jeff, who experiences the misery? It's typically not the sanctioned government that suffers. It's the innocent people living in that country that must cope with shortages and increasing prices. Let me go back now to the beginning of this article. I wanted to save this quote for the end where Mike quotes, George Washington advised America should observe good faith and justice towards all nations, cultivate peace and harmony with all. What's the other quote again? Uh, I think maybe that was Jefferson about avoiding entangling alliances and having friendly relations with all. That's the opposite of what we're doing. We're going to take a break for our friends at Anchor FM and continue this conversation. We'll be right back. We could get wise tonight. Back to the Wasatch Report. Jeff, I think you found that quote that I was paraphrasing in the last segment. Yes, and I thought it was important to go back and get these original quotes because it, it holds true today. We're living what they were warning against. And so it was Jefferson, correct, that said, peace, commerce, and honest friendship with all nations, entangling alliances with none. How many nations are we really have 
uh, honest friendship with? I mean, honestly, how many? I got nothing. <laughs> well, neither do I. Oh, I got one. I got one. Saudi Arabia. Well, I don't know if that's an honest friendship because all we're doing is giving them a lot of arms and they're killing a lot of people in Yemen. And I still am waiting, like you said, to see those Yemeni flags up there because of all the people being killed by Saudi Arabia. You know, I want to go back to how the people have to suffer for the agendas of the elite politicians. And we saw the first thing Joe Biden did, one of the first things he did when he was installed into the office of the presidency was to shut off the Keystone Pipeline, which Donald Trump had reopened again and employed thousands of American workers. And sorry, too bad you lose. You're out of a job now. And now we are losing our energy independence. And I noticed the sanctions didn't go to shutting off the purchase of Russian oil. And I wonder if that has anything to do with Hunter Biden's role in the oil industry out there. I don't know. That's just crazy talk. But we're still buying Russian oil. So are these people our enemies or are they not? But we wouldn't have to do that at all because we could be energy independent. But again, our global, our globalists, our elitists, the environmentalists who have taken over the Democrat Party and thrown their traditional grassroots supporters under the bus are now the ones that are suffering. And we are seeing this at the gas tank. And Jeff, you had a really good question for me that we've been talking about at what point are we going to, is it going to not be worth it anymore for those that have to drive to work? Why don't you run with this for a little bit? First, start off, start off with the XL pipeline because that's not complete. And I, I don't know how many quote unquote conservatives are out there screaming, we need to embargo the Russian oil. How many, I mean, Suzanne, have you seen? I mean, you can't be on Facebook and not see all these people saying embargo their oil. It's crazy. So I started posting a few days ago, if you want to embargo this oil, what you're really doing is taking away supply with no means to replace it. The XL pipeline is, what I found, is about 8% completed, 8%. So that means it's possibly at the very best months away, perhaps even years away of starting to run oil through it. So what do we do for perhaps years if we get rid of 12% of our supply? And what will that do to the price of oil? It's already, what, um, near 100, 120 a barrel. If it gets, you know, it's probably going to hit 150 or more a barrel if we take away supply and don't replace it. What I have started posting that this is economic war. Our regime in Washington, D.C. is waging an economic war against the people of these United States. It, that's really hard to hear, but they are. If we don't have new supply and prices of fuel, which are being rumored to be hitting $7 a gallon. So today, I'll, I'll start with today, four seventy-seven a gallon, half a tank on my truck. When it got done pumping 19-ish gallons, it was $92, nearly $100. And so I'm looking at probably uh, $350 now a month just in fuel to drive back. And this is just to drive back and forth to work. I had not been driving other places. And actually, my pickup does very well for being a three-quarter ton pickup. The new 10-speed uh, Allison is awesome. I get about 20 miles a gallon just driving back and forth to work, which is not bad for a full-size three-quarter ton pickup. At what point, this is what I asked you earlier, at what point do 
people to say, screw it, I'm not going to work anymore. I, I mean, I'm spending all my money to put fuel in my tank just to get to work. I, there's no point in me working anymore. What does that do to our economy? I mean, I don't see any happy ending unless they do something very, very quickly and allow maybe someone like a Texas that has the production nearby that can get it to the refineries quickly to solve this economic disaster that's on the horizon. But I don't know. I, I'm Right now, I'm seeing this government in Washington, D.C., this regime, more interested in forcing us into their green cars and all this other stuff to help their corporate buddies. But I don't see anyone sitting there worrying about us little guys and gals out here that are, you know, tr struggling to make ends meet. Now, I, I honestly think they look at us with contempt. We are nothing more than tax chattel for them. I want to I remembered a friend of mine saying, I'm not, not going to name him, but he had posted on social media. And this was before any of this happened. This was last year. He said that the increase in gas prices was costing his family an additional $5,000 per year. That's before any of this started. Imagine now and then couple that with inflation. And where is this headed? Something's reminding me, this is reminding me of when the government shut down one of the times when uh, during the Obama administration and out of an act of pure vindictiveness, they shut off all access to all the national parks. Obama said, we want them to make this hurt. The National Park Service, make it hurt. They actually had um, pylons blocking so you could not even park and look at Mount Rushmore. There are certain areas in South Dakota when you're driving, when you can see it from the freeway, all that was blocked off. So you couldn't even look at it. They closed the World War II Memorial. We're very familiar, as was the Obama administration with Vice President Biden, that they have something called honor flights. In fact, we had, we had a show with uh, Robin who took her father on a trip to Washington, D.C. He was a Korea, he was a Marine that served in the Korean War. And they shut that off. So these people, many of whom would never get a chance to go again, were shut off from going on that visit. By the way, it was okay to have an amnesty rally for you know, undocumented people in America with Nancy Pelosi, with all the PA systems, with all the government security, with all the other bells and whistles. This is policy driven. They absolutely hate American citizens. This is the war they are waging upon us. We're going to take a quick break so you can check out where to get this amazing music that we're using on our show. We'll be right back after a word from Roxanne. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, 
and RoxanneBand.com. Back to the Wasatch Report. Jeff, were you about to say something before we broke off? Well, I was just going to say that I have started posting, and it was really interesting. I hadn't even read the article yet from Mike Meharry, but I had already started posting that this government is waging war against the people. And this is an economic war, folks. You can't look at this and say it's uh, something that's happening by accident. You cannot do this accidentally. You cannot destroy this economy, this completely. Without it being intentional, I, I'm not going to give them a pass on this because it's there is no pass. Especially they are destroying after, our lives. Especially after the last two years, something they created. Oh, no, 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 no. It came from bats that were 900 miles away from that stupid market they said it came from. And then a couple of years, when was it? Fauci finally said, it might have come from a lab. I don't know. Maybe. Whereas at the beginning, they were completely discounting that possibility deciding, picking and choosing who's essential, who's non-essential, masking up kids in school. We're not going to get into all that other stuff, but uh, this is this is a government that has been at war with us now, and it has gotten nothing but worse since 2020. And I don't see this getting any better. We're seeing things escalate over in the Ukraine. The U.S. is sending now uh, I think fighter jets over to be used in that area. Go ahead, Jeff, you wanted to say something? Well, I just wanted to say that I, I'm kind of interested. You go to our Facebook page and under the, when this show comes up, post what your thoughts are on where you draw the line. Where do you say that at this point, I can't pay this gas bill anymore. There is no point in me driving to work. Um, I've kind of arbitrarily out of my kind of thinking and just kind of looking around at it. I'm looking at probably about $7 ish, maybe $7.50 a gallon at, at that point. I don't think it'll be worth it for me to, you know, take the time and effort to drive to work any longer. And so what happens? What what where what happens, Suzanne, if all of a sudden now millions of people aren't going to work anymore? I mean, they lose houses, their cars, their everything. I mean, everyone could lose absolutely everything. What did it, what was that about 2030? Uh again, uh, no one everyone won't own nothing. You will and, own nothing and like it. And yeah, the people so, that do have nothing think that's a great idea because right now they're doing great with it. Living in mom and dad's, you know, house rent free. You know, I remember, I don't, I don't remember what the exact date was, but remember they call it tax day where this is the date you work to pay off your taxes for the year. And it was something crazy, like taking you into the month of May. Now add to that, how many, how, how much of our year working is going to be spent tax and gas day, and add to that the federal gas tax on top of that. Yeah, Suzanne, and here's one of the things that I don't think a lot of people are really considering about this. Think back, oh gosh, I can't remember what year it was when gasoline got to about $5 a gallon. I was brand new in the job I'm in now. 
So I'm going to say it was 14 years ago, maybe. Uh, no, it had, been, it had to be about 15 years ago. About 15 years ago, gas was about $5 a gallon. It got crazy. And I, at that time, I was working down by New York City. So I had to drive uh, three and a half hours to get to work. And quite honestly, the fuel prices back then almost made me quit because it was just unsustainable. I couldn't drive down there and spend that much in fuel just getting back and forth to work down there in the city. Here's the next big hammer that's going to fall on this. But back then, if you remember, truckers all of a sudden were spending astronomical amounts of money on fuel like they are right now. And what happened to the prices in the grocery stores? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Oh, they're going to skyrocket. Oh, yeah. We're going to And what's going to happen? The the prices are going to skyrocket, which they already have been because of inflation. This is completely separate from what the government's been doing with the dollar and printing trillions and trillions of dollars for the last 10 10 more years. But these added expenses for trucking costs are going to multiply the inflation cost increase to levels where people, you're not going to be buying what you used to buy. You're going to be buying what you can afford. You know, at work, we call we call those ramen noodles. We call them crackhead soup. <laughs> and it, it's just like, I don't know it, where that came from, but it, it's humorous. But honestly, a lot of people will be reduced to drinking uh, or eating crackhead soup, those, those ramen noodles or whatever. Because honestly, right now you can get them for practically nothing. There's nothing to them. But that's where people are going to be. So you might want to start looking at the prepping shows we have. It might be a good time to start thinking about those things. Yeah, I I still remember one guest I had on our old network that chastised me because I made political commentary at the beginning of a show that he was on before he came on and said, I don't like to combine. I don't like I don't think politics has any business being discussed with prep with preparedness well boy howdy we're showing you why it has a lot to do with it and if you still are doubting that you know just go please go and get some food supplies right now because it's going to get bad and jeff i've been doing this since i moved here in 2013 once now i knew i wasn't going to have to move more supplies across two states when i left california i started stocking up on on laundry detergent, other soaps, uh, bars of soap, things that I got on sale, Q-tips, things that you could have in the house, shampoos for food. I, I mean, I've been freeze drying and canning and making stock all week now. And this is something that people are really going to miss. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and I've been put, uh, putting away TP, which is really expensive, or really necessary. I've been putting away bar soap. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. even think about buying bars of soap. I mean, it, you, those hygienic things. Um, I do. I know you make your own, but I don't. Uh, I have uh, have put away a little bit of toothpaste because oral hygiene will be very important. Yep. Uh, there's other things. I again, if you're not if you're not capable of canning things now, you know what? It doesn't matter. Buy cans of soup. There's there are some decent canned soup out there. You don't have to buy the little Campbell ones. You can buy decent soups out there that will help get you through. Buy your soups, buy tomatoes that are canned, buy all kinds of things that you can use in a whole bunch of different um, recipes to feed yourself. 
you know, put away bags of rice. I mean, yeah. beans, it's, dried it's beans. It's go time, folks. It's, it's it go really time. is go time. And this is all stuff we yeah. talk about on the other show. But, uh, yeah. you know, this show right now, I mean, hey, I'm really nervous. I, I, straight up, I'm nervous. Because, yeah. like I said, today, that $92 to fill a half a tank in my truck made me nervous. Uh, it, it hurt. But if you add another $3 a gallon to that, it may be unsustainable. And that scares me. So it, that's why this was a really important show to me because you know they're talking about hurting other countries economically. That's, that is an act of war. This system that they're, they've created with this uh, war on our energy sector is a war against us. They're committing acts of war against us. They're destroying our lives. This stuff is scary, folks, and I, I'm, I'm nervous. And if you think that we're overreacting, remember once upon a time an assassin's bullet took out an archduke and think about what happened after that. The U.S. involvement in World War I and the treaty led directly to the rise of Hitler and Nazi Germany. So if you think we're being a little bit reactionary, it's because we're paying attention to history and not what the idiot box in everybody's living room is telling them. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. On behalf of myself and Jeff Johnson, this is the Wasatch Report.